0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. And
1: online at SBNationLive.com.
0: Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: Hey, sports fans. Coach Nick here, as always, on every Tuesday evening, coming at you on SB Nation Radio. Either with the uh, streaming side or you can tune in on your FM radio, wherever Escalation exists in your market, hopefully. Uh, glad to be here. The season is over, but the season is now begun. We now have the draft and free agency and summer league and everything else that we want to talk about and break down during the summer, like the LeBron James effect on the Lakers, right? That could be an interesting video we might have to get into, or certainly maybe we'll just be on LeBron watch and then get ready to get the uh, videos out and uh, edit something cool to show you what it's going to look like when he goes to another team, because I think it's pretty clear he ain't going back to Cleveland. We have a great show for you today, a lot of all-star lineup. We have Alex Kennedy of Hoops Hype going to come on and talk about that LeBron free agency and some other things. We have my buddy and friend of the breakdown, Safa Kamalian, who's an assistant coach for the RGV Vipers. He's going to give us some insight into what it's like to be an assistant coach in the G League. Very exciting stuff. And then, of course, we have Dave DuFour who comes on and breaks down everything else like the finals. We're going to go through what happened there. Uh, I'm a little bit frustrated that LeBron James self-inflicted his own wound. We're going to talk more about that, maybe burn the house down a little bit in our th- uh, third segment with Dave. Because I just think it's a problem I might have lost some respect for him having taken himself out of the series to some degree that said it was pretty amazing what he was able to do anyway but that finals was you know there's a couple plays here or there that would have been a difference between the Cavs being up 2-1 and even still winning that first game on the road changes the entire complexion of the finals Uh, while you're at it on the YouTube channel yesterday we dropped a really amazing video where I retold the entire finals in the words of the players and the coaches So I took all that pristine audio from the uh, post-game interviews and mixed it together with really great music and really great epic uh, shots of what was going on that they're talking about. And it creates a really unique experience. I think that will be the future of how people are going to edit uh, highlight tapes uh, of these games. So I'm really excited about it. You should definitely go over to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube and check that out and watch it a couple times. (laughs) Why not? So, uh, I can't tell you enough uh, great, how great this show is going to be as we move forward. So, don't go anywhere, don't change that dial. Stay tuned for a lot more coming up on the B Ball Breakdown.
0: the b-ball breakdown with coach nick on sb nation radio coming to you live from the o'reilly auto parts studios here's coach nick
2: all righty sports fans it's coach nick here and we are in for a treat today. A lot of great guests and a lot of good segments and, and, and lots of interesting subjects we're going to talk about with the NBA. And today, on the first segment, I'm really excited to get something a little bit different. We're going to have my friend of the breakdown and a buddy of mine, Safa Kamalian on, who is an assistant coach for the RGV Vipers in the G League. Someone who, you know, we don't often hear a voice of the, uh, the coaching staffs from the G League, and I'm really excited to get some of his impressions and what it's like. So let's bring him on the show. Safa, thanks for coming on and joining us. Hi, Coach Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So uh, so listen, you've been a coach. You've been around the, the international scene for a long time. And you, know, you, you landed a job in, in Rio Grande. And I'm just kind of curious, was there anything that, that struck you right from the beginning that was completely different from any other coaching experience you had?
3: Well, yes, definitely it was different than uh, whatever I had experience with. Uh, in international level, uh, to me, it was the level of uh, professional approach the coaching staff had towards the job. It was really interesting for me how the young people were knowledgeable and how they could put things together to make uh, the team run as, as smooth as possible.
2: So, are you saying that they were more professional, and you would see like in the Europe's on the European side? It was different. You know,
3: attention to details to me was. You know, that's something general, in my opinion, if I compare European basketball to uh, American basketball, whatever you have in the United States, is uh, everything is pretty well documented here in the United States, and I, in, in a way that you can follow it up much easier, uh, comparing to the uh, experiences I had in, at the international level.
2: Okay, fair enough. So um, you spent a whole season there, and is it safe to say that the uh, the Vipers who are connected to the Rockets uh, kind of run the same system?
3: Yes, yes, exactly. We were running the same system.
2: Okay, so now was that uh, it, how familiar were were you with D'Antoni's style of offense? And I guess how they've adjusted it to have uh, you know Chris Paul and Harden there was it exactly the same as they were doing in the Rockets, or were there different tweaks? Well,
3: I, it was pretty much the same. Uh, definitely the personnel was the difference but uh, the whole offensive ideas and options they were pretty much
2: the same yeah. but so we
3: had the freedom to just make some small tweaks or use some options more or just mm-hmm. uh, according to our personnel
2: yeah. Okay, so I mean, so it sounds like if you watch footage of the Vipers play, it was probably a little bit closer to the traditional Dantoni offense versus the the hyper iso of what we saw like in the playoffs with the rockets right did you you guys in iso as much as they do there right
3: yeah well, I think the ISO ball was more uh, done in the playoffs I mean it was in the uh, the regular season as well, but yes, we were doing the uh, 21 offense, delay office, and all of those options uh, more.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, had you had experience with the 21 and coaching it before you got to uh, the Vipers?
3: I was familiar with it. I visited Coach D'Antoni and uh, his practices when he was in New York with Knicks, mm-hmm. but I never ran it myself.
2: Okay. So how, how, was it easier to teach, and how did they break it down? Was it the kind of thing where they would do it uh, in uh, part method with, like, two three-line drills and show it, or they just do the whole thing and show it all five on zero?
3: It is a very easy to teach and easy to understand offense. And uh, as you said, there were breakdown drills for two or three men, and also we're doing the five on five as well.
2: And then, so, w- was there a progression, like they started off with uh, two-man, three-man drills, and then they slowly built to five-on-zero and five-on-five?
3: Yes. Yes, there
2: were. <laughs> okay. Um, now, how about analytics? We know about Daryl Morey and, and how he's built a huge analytics team. Uh, how, how robust is it at the uh, the G League level for you guys?
3: Well, it was. Uh, that was one of the things that when I got familiar with the system over there, uh, was really interesting for me to uh, witness. There was a lot of interesting information shared with analytic people with us, and uh, especially when we got to playoffs, mm-hmm. we had a lot of different uh, input from the analytics people. It was in the G League as well, as, I don't, I'm not sure if it's as much as they have it in, with rockets, but there was huge impact uh, of analytics over there.
2: And then, so and how much of that cross over into the actual coaching and adjustments and, and what you guys ran? I mean, were they trying to process that on the bench and really just in, in the games understand, uh, you know, what sets are working when with who and all that kind of thing?
3: Well, at the, uh, if you mean real time, with the only thing we would uh, do real time was our uh, substitution patterns, which we were just following up during the course of the game according to the personnel, as you. Uh, Most probably know there is a lot of change roster changes in G League So we needed to just review our substitution patterns So that was one of the things we were doing real time Another thing was the coding of the game was also done real time apart from these two uh, and just uh, the the standard box score The other things uh, we were doing after the game or before the game
2: Okay so and how much of that uh, of the analytics influenced how you were training each individual player I mean were you guys so deep into the numbers that you could say all right this guy needs to work on his left wing threes from the pass comes from the corner or that kind of thing was that was that how uh, specific it was with the analytics
3: yes or no uh sometimes yes for some specific players we would just refer to analytics and the numbers and for some we may just uh count on our uh, individual assessments but w- uh we would always check with numbers not it was not always from numbers to players sometimes we would go from players to uh i mean skills to numbers
2: sure so. and then so in the g league i mean how much how important is it to win versus develop the players to potentially make an NBA roster?
3: That's a very good question. Uh, uh, the first, I think, uh, thing that each uh, person who is involved with the G League team is the development of players. And then comes winning. That's my understanding. So, because of all of the schedule, uh, tight schedules, travels, and the roster changes, I think development, both with the Staff and players. Staff are not uh, excluded in this. Uh, the main focus is on development. And then I think the winning comes.
2: Sure. Now, so remind me, were there any players that got called up this league, uh, this year to play for the Rockets? Uh, yeah,
3: we had some uh, uh, players who were there on assignment. So they would go back and forth from uh, RGV Vipers to uh, Rockets every now and then.
2: Okay. And how, how did the Vipers do this year?
3: Uh, we ended up in, we got eliminated from, uh, in the semifinals of the Western Conference.
2: Okay, so, so and is know, it the same structure playoff-wise as it the NBA?
3: No, it is different. It is single-game elimination prior to finals. And in the finals, it's uh, three games.
2: Aha, uh-huh. okay. And then what's the, um, what, what are the crowds like? Do you get a lot of people coming to the games? It depends
3: on where you play in some cities. Yes, uh, there's a huge uh, turnout. And as you may have heard, in uh, when we played in Toronto, there was about 18,000-plus A record showed up over there in Toronto for our game.
2: Oh, wow. Now, was that a playoff game or was this a regular season game? Regular season. Wow. Yeah. That's the that's that's sa- same kind of crowd as an NBA gets.
3: Yeah, that was a record for G League, as I said, yes.
2: Great. Well, what's the overall thing? How, how did you feel about how you fit in with the season? And are you looking forward to another season uh, You know, with the Vipers?
3: Definitely, I would like to just be a part of a G League team. Uh, Vipers, they are a very good organization. And also Rockets, for sure, they are a great organization. There was a lot of things that I personally learned during this season, both uh, about G League and, of course, about basketball. And I look forward to in any other opportunity in the G League, yeah. Sure.
2: Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and giving us a little insight into what the G League is like from a coach's standpoint. And um, we'll have to check in with you later on and see how it's going. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Safa. Thank
3: you very much for having me.
2: And that was Safa Kamalian, who is the assistant coach for the RGV Vipers from this past year and another a good friend of mine. We talk a lot about basketball all the time in the background. And, and uh, always nice to talk to him and, and get some more in, uh, insights into the basketball coaching. So don't go anywhere, sports fans. We're going to be right back with the, with the rest of our great show tonight and a lot of great guests after these words from our sponsor. I wanted to take a quick break to talk to you about simple contacts, a convenient way to reorder your contact lenses that will save you money. When my wife runs out of her contacts, it's normally a nightmare to renew her prescription. And sometimes she's forced to wear her old ones for days until she finds the time to go out and pick them up with simple contacts. They bring the doctor to you. You can take a vision test at home in under 5 minutes, then a real doctor reviews your test and writes you a new prescription. This isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it's the next best thing. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable and shipping is free. And you can also save $30 off your first Simple Contacts order with my code COACHNICK. So to save 30 bucks on those lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash coachnick or enter the code COACHNICK at checkout. Again, it's simplecontacts.com slash COACHNICK or just enter my code COACHNICK at checkout.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: Hey, sports fans! Coach Nick here, and we are back with another segment of the B-ball Breakdown. As you as you know, we are always here every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the SB Nation Radio Network across the FM stations and anywhere streaming you might be. And today, I was I'm really happy to bring on friend of the breakdown. Alex Kennedy, who is a Hoops Hype writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. They make it very easy for you to find uh, all of this stuff. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about Jerry Colangelo and about where LeBron's going. So Alex, thanks for
1: coming on the show. Hey, Coach. Nick, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, break it down. What
2: have we missed? People might have been paying attention to the Colangelo thing. What is the latest? What do you know about what happened and the whole craziness?
1: Well, he resigned, obviously. uh, And it seems like either he was writing the accounts or Someone close to him, you know, he's mentioned his wife as a possibility, was running these accounts and, you know, there were a number of them. And basically the accounts not only criticized current and former Sixers, it also included – you know, really secret information that the organization would not want leaking out to the public, you know, medical records, uh, information about trade or transactions, uh, secrets within the organization, uh, and then just some, you know, gossipy type stuff as well. So uh, the organization did not want those things getting out there, obviously. So whenever this, you know, came to light and the burner accounts were linked to him, or someone close to him, uh, you know, they, they launched the investigation and then eventually I think he was going to be fired. Uh, so he decided he decided to resign uh, ahead of that. Um, so basically they parted ways and now the search begins for a new GM. Um, obviously they have, you know, so many great pieces in place already. Uh, Sam Hinky really set them up really well. With, you know, they have the second most cap space this summer. They have tons of young players, uh, a lot of executives are, are trying to get that job right now.
2: <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yes, they are in the upswing, about to be challenging the rest of the Eastern Conference for years. Uh, but let's I got a couple questions about the whole Colangelo thing. I think they're interesting. So, first of all, you know, is is he throwing his wife under the bus? Do you believe that she was really controlling
1: those or do you think that it was him? Well I think there were he admitted to one of them. He said one of them was his. Uh and there were two that if you looked at the phone number because you can look on Twitter and see what phone number is uh tied to an account. There were five accounts and three of them were tied to one phone number. Two of them were tied to another phone number, so I think he was running two of them. Uh, and one of the ones that he had, admi- the one that he admitted to running, was one of the two that had the same phone number. Um, so I think two of them were his, and I think three of them were his wife. And and there could have been more. We don't know. Those are the ones we found and-, and that are you know public right now. Okay, if he had five, who knows how many he had? You know. Right. Well, here's a follow up. What we
2: do know is as soon as they you know called the Sixers for comment. They didn't let them know about all five accounts yet within an hour all five accounts were turned private for for at least yeah. a little while so the question there is, is th- what the implication there if, if we want to believe his wife was involved was that they found out they talked to Colangelo and then Colangelo calls his wife and says hey honey do you have any accounts can you make them whatever like do you really think that that's what happened
1: well that that's that's the thing you know it definitely kind of is the smoking gun for me that it was either Calangelo or someone in his family because you know they get that call and immediately all the accounts go private so the timing was very strange you also had uh someone one of the accounts was live tweeting uh University of Chicago games which is Brian Calangelo's son where he plays uh you know he's, he's a college player a college athlete so there were a lot of things that linked him to the accounts. I think it'd be really hard to deny that this is just some random person that set him up. Today, you know, he maintains his innocence. He says that he had one account basically just to monitor the media and everything. And that account didn't really have anything outrageous on it. It was the other ones that, you know, said things about Embiid and, you know, we should run him into the ground. He's not the future of the franchise. Let's exploit him. Things like that. But once you have that tied to you, if you, you know, players aren't going to want to be – Uh, associated with you or your franchise so it's going to be really hard for him now going forward trying to get another job too because players are going to remember this kind of thing
2: sure well let me ask you one more question then does he get fired if lebron is not a free agent this year
1: yeah i think so i I think the organization it it was just too much of a controversy and too much of drama and, and even if they weren't trying to clean up the image for free agency, you had current players that were upset. Joel Embiid went through and read a bunch of the tweets, and he actually liked five of them, including the one that said, "You know, he's not the future of the franchise. Let's exploit him." There was another one that said, "Um, you know, that the you know, if I were management, I would kick him in the balls or something along those lines." He liked <laughs> that one. I mean, you're you're upsetting the face of the franchise. Uh, Markel Fultz was also someone that was criticized, and his medical info was leaked a lot, so certainly I think you had to fire him because the current players would have been upset as well sure and and
2: I you know I have to imagine the, the more of the answer could come out if you know god forbid their marriage breaks up but you know if it really was the wife behind his back and if he loses his job and probably you know doesn't get back in the NBA from that that would cause some severe uh you know uh trouble in, in any marriage I'd imagine I do the right thing and my wife doesn't care about basketball doesn't like basketball and <laughs> wouldn't want to hear any of my secrets I might have anyway if I did work for them. NBA team. So um,
1: my wife does not want me talking about basketball. She, yeah, she's not going to tweet about it. She doesn't even want to hear about the basketball stuff. So we're, um, we're we we're in the, we're in the same boat, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That said,
2: if anybody out there listening who's single, if you find someone who's a woman who's really into, or Hey, if you find anybody that you fall in love with, that's really into basketball as well, then don't let them go. I mean, that's really worth a lot. Um, so well, that, that's a pr- pretty smooth segue, I think, into the next segment, which would be uh, what the heck LeBron is going to do. We have all sorts of rumors about his uh, them looking at schools in L.A. Uh, for his kids, which would probably indicate he wants to come to L.A. What is the latest that you have heard? Uh, and what do you believe most about where LeBron might end up?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, the, the stuff about his kid and the school, you know, that, I think that's, you know, speculation and rumors. And, and keep in mind, you know, he's going to be a high schooler. And there's, you know, top high school players leave their family and go across the country and play all the time. You know, with big programs like Oak Hill and IMG Academy, you know, guys go and leave their family and play in different states. So it, it wouldn't be crazy if his son went and played in this school in Los Angeles and he went and signed in. You know, Houston, for example. Um, so I think, you know, trying to read the tea leaves around where his son is going to school, I don't think that necessarily is linked to his free agency. It could be, but I think that's an assumption we cannot make. Um, so I, if I'm looking at it from a basketball standpoint, I think Houston makes the most sense. Um, There's a great article on ESPN breaking down how. They could land him. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cap moves they'd have to make, uh, and they kind of have to jump through some hoops. But the easiest way would be for LeBron to actually opt into his contract for next year and then demand a trade to the Rockets, like Chris Paul did last year to land on the Rockets from the Clippers. Uh, and that would allow them to keep guys like Trevor Ariza, re sign Clint Capella, uh, and not have to gut the roster, which is what they'd have to do if they were to sign him as a free agent. So I think that is a very interesting uh, move. In That that would be something that Daryl Morey would obviously want to do. LeBron and Chris Paul are very close. CP3 is already recruiting him. That team could challenge the Warriors potentially in the Western Conference. We saw how close they were this year. I think that's the best basketball move. If he has, you know, off-court things in mind and wants to further his business and his, you know, TV production company and all that, maybe he does go to Los Angeles, especially if he can bring someone like Paul George with him, uh, because then you're not just going to a team that has young pieces, you're going to a team that has another star next to you as well, a team with Lonzo Ball, LeBron James, Brandon Ingram, Paul George, Kyle Kuzma, you know. Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle. If they bring those guys back, you know whoever's going to be around them. That's an interesting team in a huge market uh, where he already has a house. So I think those are two teams to look at. And then the other dark horse for me is Philly, you know, which we mentioned uh, because they do have so much cap space. They could not only sign LeBron, they could potentially you know, add other players around him too. So you have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, LeBron, and then what role players can you get? Uh, Could they put together a trade with all their assets that they have or someone like Kawhi Leonard, if he's available, um, that's another situation I think that could be very interesting for LeBron. So those are the three teams that I'm kind of looking at as serious contenders for him. Sure,
2: I just feel like I don't know why he want to go to the West if he, if his goal is to win another title. Obviously, the, the easiest path to the finals would probably be on his mind, and that would mean do not go to the West where you have to deal with either the Warriors or the Rockets, or you know, or both if he goes to LA. I mean, sorry, he's not going to Warriors. So if he, you know, he'll have to go. Deal with the Warriors uh, uh, and/or the Rockets, so um, that would be my only thing. But then again, you know he is that good, and if you do throw a guy like Paul George in the same team with him, and you know, but I, but you, I do have a I, I do recognize your point as far as having to play alongside Lonzo Ball, who's a still a, you know a young player who's going to make a lot of rookie ish mistakes, and Kuzma and, and Ingram. I could see that being a thing where he can't wait a year to wait let them develop. So uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure um and then how does that tilt the rest of the uh, free agency i mean who is the next biggest guy we have to worry about uh
1: paul george is really going to be the, the next guy that everyone's kind of looking at i think uh you know teams are obviously going to focus on lebron james um and then once he makes his decision uh paul george is going to be you know the the guy that everyone looks at does he stay in oklahoma city does he go to los angeles like a lot of people have predicted for quite some time now just because of uh you know his ties there he's from there um or does he go somewhere else that's unexpected? does he sign with Philadelphia? You know he'd be uh, really interesting on the Sixers because he can shoot the ball uh, he'd make them even better defensively. Uh, so uh, Paul George is really the next guy to keep an eye on, but this is a really interesting free agent class. Uh, there's a lot of guys to look at a lot of really interesting restricted free agents um, the The one thing to keep in mind though is that there's only about six or seven teams with you know really significant cap space so that makes things very interesting the market isn't wide open and it's not like a ton of teams have money to spend so that kind of limits some guys options well alex
2: i can't thank enough for coming on the show and breaking that down for us and i think you're right by the way paul george really ends up i think will be the deciding factor for a lot of the teams and where he goes and what that's how everyone else falls in line so interesting he's got that much kind of power but you've got that kind of power on Twitter and, uh, and as you're writing on Hoopsite, so make sure everyone goes over there and follow Alex Kennedy. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We'll be right back on the B-Ball Breakdown.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SV Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
2: Sports fans, it's Coach Nick. We are back. A lively two segments in the can so far. We had a great little information from Alex Kennedy about LeBron, where he's going to go with free agency. And then we had Safa Kamalyan come on and give us some insights into what it's like to be a assistant coach. In the G League with the RGB Vipers. But that was all just a prelude to the main event, the big segment with that guy, Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA, who's going to come on. We're going to talk about the NBA, talk about the finals. So, Dave, thanks for joining us today.
4: Thanks for having me, as usual.
2: As usual, <laughs> as always. The old standby. Um, you know, we haven't talked a little bit. We certainly haven't talked since the finals were over. Thoughts?
4: Uh, well, I think the finals wound up being exactly what we both expected. You know, the, the Warriors are, you know, just overwhelming compared to most teams in the league, and, and the Cavs, you know, any other year, they, they might actually be a championship team, you know, um, but this year, the, you know, they ran into the Warriors again, uh, sort of like 2017. Of course, this 2018 Cavs, not not nearly as potent as the 2017 Cavs, but uh, you know, you, you got to give Tip of the cap to the Cavs. They they did keep it competitive in in a few of those games. Um, really could have stolen game one at in Oracle, uh, minus you know a, a little bit of uh, uh, what do we say? Was Jared Smith just lost in the moment? I, I, that's what we'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. No, um, no, no. But, the, well,
2: no. The the facts we have the facts. He thought that they were up. I don't think there's. I don't think it's disputable. Right.
4: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I just – I hate to harp on it because, I mean, you know, obviously he wouldn't – you know, it, it's a tough situation. Anyway, uh, so they could have stolen one there. I mean, and, and that probably would have just pushed the series to five right? because the Warriors are just that much better. And, and you know, uh, Kevin Durant had an incredible series, in particular game three. I mean, that's a signature moment for his his career. Um, you know, and, and so, like, I have no, no beef with him being the Finals MVP – uh, if it had gone to Steph Curry, I think that would have been fine, too. Uh, right. But I do think that Kevin Durant sort of had the signature moment of that series in that game three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it was a fun series. You know, I, I like, you know, outside of game three, I, I thought it was competitive. And, and, you know, I think Ty Lue did a good job with the, with the hand he had um, keeping him in these games.
2: You know, it's funny because you're right. They were a couple plays away from being up 2-1. But yet, even in those games and in the game, in game two, their defense was still so bad that, like, you, it's hard to imagine that this team was was would it be capable of beating anybody else in the in finals as well. Yet, they, you're right. They, our, the argument is they were. Now, would they have probably gotten beaten by the Rockets as well? Uh, yeah, probably the same kind of way I would imagine. But other than that, they probably win or go, you know, deep into a finals. So. It's really kind of crazy. Maybe what we're learning is this this whole defense thing, maybe maybe, maybe it's not as important as we're thinking it is. Um, I'm going
4: to disagree on that. I, I think that if the Cavs had a better defense, maybe they could have won some of these games that were closer. You know, like maybe that is the difference between, you know, getting swept and, and having a series of 2-2.
0: Right, and without question.
4: And you know, as we've talked about throughout the season, you you build you build your habits during the regular season. So it's tough to sort of flip that switch, especially defensively, when it when it is time for the playoffs. And and we saw that you know the Cavs, the teams that they faced, where made made it appear as if their defense had been fixed. You know, they weren't playing offensive juggernauts outside of the Raptors, who for some reason just wilt at the sight of LeBron. You know, they were playing the Celtics, which was like, you know, the number 18 offense or something. Uh, and the Pacers' offense wasn't much better. So, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, it was a little bit of fool's gold there for the folks that that thought that they had sort of flipped the switch.
2: Fair enough. Now, let's burn it all down. I'm ready to burn it down right now because, I, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the LeBron injury. Um, I, I got to be honest. I lost some respect for him for self-inflicting a wound that ultimately – you know, especially in the game three that was so close, and who knows how much it affected him? It clearly did affect him. Uh, you know, I, I lost respect for him to have done that to himself.
4: Um, I think that if you're if you're gonna give Ennis Cancer a hard time for breaking his hand, I, I think that, you know if you're gonna give uh, who was it that punched uh, Amari? Yeah, Sotomayor.
2: Yeah, I if did. You're gonna
4: give those. We gotta, we gotta hold him to the same standard, if not a higher standard. You know, I mean, like, we all know LeBron James is, is better than that. I, you know, I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to pass judgment on his character. I mean, we all like kind of lose our temper, but, but we don't expect that from LeBron. And I think that if we're going to criticize any other player, we, you know, he should be open to the same criticism. Um, it is pretty amazing, though, that he was able to still perform fairly well. I mean, his jumper definitely, uh, he struggled with that quite a bit, didn't look comfortable. Especially in that game too. So you know, um, but still, I mean, I, I wouldn't have told you that his hand was broken. It's it's incredible. So um, yeah, I think I think he deserves the criticism. You know, I mean, he definitely maybe maybe they win game three if his hand's not broken. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, I think if you're going to criticize any of those lesser players. For sure, LeBron deserves his criticism
2: as well. Yeah, and I know I rose to Damari when he put his uh, fist through the glass of a, uh, I think it was a uh, fire extinguisher thing. But, um, you know, this is different. It's the finals. And it was almost like, you know, they were so close that, you know, okay, we, we can get them. Like, game two, we could be right there then. Like, we can do the same kind of thing. It was like, instead, you know, he's kind of like taking himself out of the series. Now, Maybe that was also part of it, where he sort of just felt like, you know, what it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. We're not going to be able to beat this team, which is what everyone was saying, and it was clear. But man, you got to go in firing on all cylinders here, and you know this wasn't a freak injury or whatever. This was a self-inflicted, and it was really you know troubling to me on on a couple of levels. So I don't know. That that was my take on the finals. But yeah, um, it's interesting to see how this is going to play out, and. Um, anything, okay. Aside from LeBron free agency, maybe even let's, is there anything below LeBron and Paul George that interests you as far as where free agents might go? Uh,
4: you know, I, Danny Green is, is extremely interesting to me. Uh, <laughs> and I know that like, I'm, I, I shouldn't be the only one, but I may be, I, you know, with a guy <laughs> yeah. who can defend the way he can and, and, and when he's healthy, the way he shoots threes. And then we even saw a little bit of, you know, uh, additional creation off the dribble. Um, he could be a guy, you know, if if the Sixers don't bring JJ Redick back, he could be a guy that could slot right into that Redick spot and make what is already a really good defense even better. And so you yeah, know, I look at Danny Green as a guy that a lot of teams are gonna are gonna flirt with. And whether he's wanting to leave San Antonio or not, you know, that remains to be seen. And of course, San Antonio is we're not they're they're not gonna be asleep at the wheel this summer, you know, they're gonna be looking to make moves and, and stuff like that. But uh, you know and it's not just because Danny Green is one of my favorite players but uh, I think that he's a useful player for for teams that aspire to championships and Philadelphia being one of them I, I really think he should be their top target uh, another guy is Marcus Smart you know he's gonna be a restricted free agent he proves himself to be the the, the sort of player that I mean his, his positive plus minus despite his terrible shooting is an indicator of what he brings to the table I mean he's a He's an effort guy. He's a great defender, can defend one through four and even get switched on to fives in the post and and hold his own despite, you know, often giving up six to eight inches. So, um, you know, I I think Marcus Smart is a guy, it's going to be interesting to see whether the market values him as much as the Celtics will and how much the Celtics actually value him and, and, you know, how much they want to bring him back because they don't exactly have the the easiest cap sheet to work with either. You know, they've got some stuff there. Where they have his bird rights. so you know will they match up to you know 14 million I don't know will he be offered more than 12 I have no idea and, and the market this summer is kind of tight so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with market smart that's that's one to keep your eye on
2: sure I mean they have the uh, the other guys on the rookie contracts with the other the big three of uh, Brown Tatum and Rozier so that should help them in some degree with having some extra cash <laughs> what <laughs>
4: I love that. I love that Rozier is in there, a the big three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know,
2: listen, he proved himself as, you know almost a starter in the league, right? Yeah, I think.
4: He, I think he. You know, he would probably start for a handful of
2: teams. Yeah, so you know, sure. I mean, certainly it's a guy you want to. I would think they'd want to really keep it. Let me ask about Danny Green for a second because. You know, this guy was an elite three-point shooter for several years in a row. One, two, three, four years in a row. And then all of a sudden, the last three years, it's been a real drop-off, um, you know, to average-ish. And, like, last year was was a drop-down even from that. So do you think he was simply a product of, like, really good teams with supreme ball movement that were getting him wide-open shots? Or, you know, or, or is it a me- mechanical thing? What do you think ultimately affected, the re- you know, this long, this prolonged... I-, I can't say it's a slump, but it's a prolonged dip in his what you would expect.
4: Yeah, so the dip coincides with Lamarcus Aldridge arriving into town, and with uh, with the Spurs focusing more on the mid range. So obviously the ball movement isn't there. Um, he's taking more contested threes. You know they're not as open as they used to be, and you know nobody shoots better on contested threes than they do on open threes. So I don't think there's a single guy in the league that does. So it, it to me it makes sense that that he would see a dip in his three-point percentage. And, and if you put him into a more egalitarian system where there is more ball movement than the current Spurs, and, and I think, I want to say he shoots better in lineups without Marcus Aldridge. So, uh, And don't quote me on that because I, I may be incorrect, but I, I feel like I read that. But um, that's a very Trumpian uh, answer there. But, but I, uh, I do believe that, that when you see him in lineups with more ball movement, he does shoot the ball better.
2: Well, if, like only, uh, if only we could, we, we could look that up as I'm trying to type this on NBA Wally right now and I hit submit. Danny okay. Green, uh, shooting-wise, his three-point percentage um, with LaMarcus Aldridge on the bench. You want to Do you want to guess what it is?
4: 41%. If,
2: if I'm to believe this, he shot 32% from three with LaMarcus Aldridge on the bench. So I don't know. So Something's works? weird. Oh, yeah, man. it's really bad. Yeah, it's, it's like funny. bad. So, um, but again, yeah. you know, I, I, and I'm pretty sure, you know, this is all just numbers that you know NBA always going to scrape. So I'm pretty sure it's right, and I did it right. So, you know, it, interesting, and perhaps maybe it's a time a change of scenery. I really like Danny Green in in uh, in Philly. I think that would be a really nice fit for him. Um, you know, does that mean Covington is still there?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say it depends on what they want to do with Reddick. You know, if if they yeah. don't want to bring Reddick back, and, and they brought in Danny Green, you know. Yeah, Um, I think he would slide right into that spot.
2: Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, no, I really like that. And we'll have to see what they do as far as any other uh, free agents they want to try and bring in. I just would hate to see LeBron sort of stifle all that, even for an exchange for, like, you know, a few extra wins or whatever they might do, right? It just doesn't seem like it'd be worth it.
4: Yeah, I I think that it would sort of take away from Ben Simmons and and what he's going to be as a player, you know? You can't. I don't see a path to playing the two of them together. It's not that they couldn't do it and be successful, but I think that you limit Simmons' ceiling uh, quite a bit by having him play with LeBron, taking the ball out of his hand. Uh, but but there is also an argument to be made that you might turn him into a very lethal cutter playing off the ball from LeBron, and, you know, maybe it would force him into developing a jump shot in game. And, you know, so there there's, you know, look, any team that adds LeBron is instantly going to be better. And any team in the East that adds LeBron is instantly going to be a title contender or at least a final contender. Right. So, you know, uh, like I, I threw out that LeBron should go to Utah. And I had a lot of Utah fans saying no. And, and I just, you know, I, I just want to call bull on that because you add LeBron to Utah and you're instantly the second best team in the league.
2: Okay. Interesting. Maybe. Yeah. He's that good. He, 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 he vaults above the, the Rockets. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's close.
4: They'd have have the. I mean, you'd be adding the best player in the league to the best defense in the league.
2: Wow. Well, listen, uh, that's a nice bomb to drop at the end of the segment, uh, and we can all ruminate that in our minds for a little while for the next time. So, Dave, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will catch up to you next week. Sounds good. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors.
0: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. So there you have it, sports fans. Another show is in the
2: books, episode 17, believe it or not. And it's been great to be with you here on the radio, on streaming, and everywhere else on the podcast. And I cannot wait to begin this summer where we're going to get into a lot of detail about the draft, and we're going to give you some really great insights going forward about these players who might not know too much about, but who will be coming to you live in HD on your screen come November, or excuse me, it's October these days. And I want you to get a little bit of a head start on who they are and how they're going to fit. So stay tuned for lots of draft con- content on the bballbraithown.com and certainly on our YouTube channel and on Twitter and on the podcast, all sorts of stuff. we got a lot of great guests who are going to come on and lend their expertise to the whole endeavor. And then we have the free agency period, where who's going to go where. we got LeBron, we've got Paul George, we've Danny Green, like Dave was talking about, and a whole host of other players that are going to shift the balance of power one way or the other. It'll be interesting to see. Um, so do not go anywhere, uh, at least don't go anywhere away from B-Ball Breakdown because we are going to be almost as busy as we are during the year. And it was such an amazing run through the finals. We've never had so much traffic come and watch our videos and comment, and and on Twitter as well. Uh, we're gonna keep that going. It was too much fun uh, to let that go and uh, and not keep you know the the content flowing through the pipeline. So, really interesting stuff. I hope you got some insight into what it was like to be an assistant coach, a little bit for the RGV Vipers, and what maybe we'll do some more G League stuff because I really like to get into in, in there. I feel like most people don't know what it's like there, what the crowds are like, what the play is like, who the players are. So we're going to work on getting some more content there. So let me know over on Twitter if you like that segment, if you want to hear more about the G League. And uh, anything else you want to see, I'm always available on Twitter. Uh, I respond to, I think, almost every or all mentions that come in. I love Twitter. I love being able to have that conversation there as well as here, as well as uh, YouTube. So don't forget that. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts. What do you, what do you think about LeBron James uh, breaking his hand? I'm kind of curious what that does to his legacy. Uh, does it maybe doesn't make it better because the people are even more in awe of what he did with a broken hand, uh, which kind of adds to that narrative. So I don't know. I feel like a series that had a couple games that went down the wire. Uh, you know, at least the one game, Game Three, you put yourself in behind the eight ball like that. Uh, it's not good. Not a good look. Uh, and don't forget, kids, it's a good lesson for you guys to be able to have enough control, even though it might be as frustrating as all frustrating. Uh, You have to be able to control yourself to not smash your hand into a board and break it. So either way, I'm not going to smash my hand into anything in the near-time future because I'm having such a a great time. Don't forget, sports fans, at P-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win.